You're live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio today with Andy Barrar. We've got lots of stuff going on today's show. Today we'll uh, be talking about e-readers, the latest uh, from Kobo, the uh, the new way to read books digitally. They're taking a big uh, chunk out of uh, printed uh, book sales. We also have uh, Andre Gortz. He's the Chief Communications Officer for TELUS, talking about TELUS Wise, helping Canadian families avoid online exploitation. And uh, we're also going to be looking at a company called Disruptive Publishers. They uh, make avatars for the video game industry. I'm not sure everyone knows what an avatar is, so we'll have to explain that and then show how you can make money with avatars. Kind of cool. Lots of stuff happening in the news this week, tech-wise. This was kind of an interesting thing that uh, you uh, uh, showed me, Andy. French, uh, a French law over in France uh, now bans Amazon from offering free shipping. Exactly. Now, this is all because they're trying to protect the mom-and-pop bookstores in France. I didn't know this, Mike. I don't know if you knew this. France has some of the most, uh, the most independent bookstores in like any European country. There's about 2,500 mom-and-pop bookstores around, and they're trying to protect that. They call it a cultural heritage to to maintain that stuff. And Amazon, with their cheap prices and free shipping, could completely wipe that market out. So the French government has decided that they want to, to protect those bookstores by enacting some laws to ban Amazon from making free shipping. Uh, but they also regulate the... Um the discount on books as well. Exactly. To 5%. So that's as much as you can do. Now, this is kind of weird. You know, like we saw this happen in North America. A lot of these, you know, small bookstores got taken up when chapters and, and the big the big ones came out. Yeah. Um, and then everything started to go on the e-reader side. So it's kind of a really interesting time right now. And I, the question is, can these small bookstores survive in this day and age? Yeah. You know, how, how long can they keep, um, I guess technology and progress from the masses. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> like everything's going digital now. So, I mean, there's only so long uh, you can keep some of these laws in place to protect, uh, you know, certain industries. Like, are they doing a service to, you know, the country by protecting small bookstores? Well, you're limiting the kind of books you can also get because Amazon's going to have a huge catalog compared to a, a little bookstore. So, it's a, it's a really tricky situation, but, uh, you know, the French, this, this is not the first time they've done that. They've actually have uh, enacted some laws with Google to try to protect them and, you know, how Google has their street view, and they've really pushed that as well. So they're very protective um, in France and something that I wasn't really aware of until uh, this news story came out. Also in the news, uh, rumors saying that Apple's going to bring iTunes Radio to Canada in early 2014. Uh, iTunes Radio is a new service from Apple that was bundled into the latest update, iOS 7, and uh, essentially kind of a a streaming music service uh, to compete with a lot of the other ones uh, out there, but only available in the U.S. so far. Well, the thing about Canada is really interesting, Mike, is I I know both of us uh, use streaming services all the time, but we don't really have the same type of uh, catalogs that we, we would expect because of licensing things. Spotify, Pandora, you know, Google Play, Google Music Play, you know, all three things that we don't have access to. So, you know, this is a good market for Apple to get into. They have catalogs and catalogs of, of, of songs. It's a billion-dollar industry, and what they could do is use the radio to get people to like a song and then do a one-click purchase, and suddenly you buy it on iTunes. Bob's your uncle. 
Do you know how much uh, Apple earns uh, a year in music? <sighs> I know it's in the billions. Seven billion dollars. Wow. Wow. Look at the record companies right now. You know, they were all struggling in the days of Napster. Here comes Apple. Now they're making $7 billion well, on just music. Um, I, I don't have the study in front of me, but uh, a business school in, in uh, the UK actually studied the music industry over the past uh, 15 years and has basically come to the conclusion that it isn't all doom and gloom that the, the record companies have been uh, pushing. In, in fact, uh, they're actually doing quite well yes. with uh, digital music now. And they said that if they had embraced uh, the digital world a little, uh, a little earlier, they'd be even more better off now. It kind of reminds me of like what happened with Blockbuster. They didn't want that industry to die. They didn't get into the, the streaming services early enough, and then they died. They were trying to be very protective. They don't want things to change. The thing is, People will always listen to music. They're always going to go to concerts. There's always ways to make money. Streaming, I'm not really sure how that works. There must be some complicated algorithms on how you're going to pay an artist per play. Like you get like a 16th of a penny or something. I know. That's crazy. I, I really wish I could figure that out. But, but being digital, they'd be able to track that. Yeah. Right? And I don't know if you know this, RDO has really suffered because of Songza, a free service that plays playlists. So now RDO is actually allowing you to use their service for free on mobile devices, on your smartphone and your tablet. You'll get access to RDO's radio stations as well. So the competition just the radio is station? just the radio station. Oh, okay. So they're doing very similar to what uh, Apple's my, about my, to do. My kids are, are uh, addicted to RDO, as I yeah. am as well. We pay, um, I think, $18 a month for three Three, okay. three subscriptions. Yeah. Because the kids are constantly on it on their iPhones and at home. And you get access to everything. Yeah. Pretty much everything. Well, it's just such a change. Like, yeah, they've got, I don't even know how many, like 8 million songs, basically, um, to uh, have access to no matter where you are. Do you still put music onto your phone? Like, I haven't done that no. in a long, long no, time. No, because I have RDO. Yeah. Um, and I also have iTunes Match. So iTunes Match is like 30 bucks a year. And basically, um, iTunes will go through your entire music catalog you have on your home computer and put it up in the cloud. Yeah. The one that I'm really looking forward to is the Google uh, Play. They have a music store as well. Um, a lot of people don't, well, pretty much nobody in Canada has it unless you have, there's a way to circumvent it if you have a U.S. credit card, but it is one of the coolest services, and especially for Android users, to have that would be very uh, convenient. So I'm looking forward to that as well, in addition to Apple's streaming music service. What is this thing, uh, Andy, that I came across, Scribed? It's like the Netflix of books? That's right, yeah. There's a company called Scribed, and they're trying to take Netflix's business model and do that with books. So you get an, you know, a catalog of all these different books and documents, uh, study research papers that you could pretty much consume on a monthly fee. So they're really trying nine, to take... Nine bucks a month in the U.S. A nine bucks a month, and then you can get access to all the stuff, and then you can put it onto your e-readers. Uh, it's a... It's a very interesting business model. It's actually grown year after year. It's getting very strong. Um, so we're going to see you know, different people experiment with different kind of business models as print dies. And we know that's happening. Just ask any, uh, anybody in the newspaper industry. They can tell you that. They, they used to have this annual thing where they would show the ad revenues for print. They actually stopped doing that because it was getting so bad. It was scaring people that they're not even publishing those results anymore. I can imagine. Uh, so the service is 9 bucks a month, and, and it looks like it is available in Canada now. It's the HarperCollins uh, Book Library. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, obviously there's thousands of titles there. You just have to no. determine if the books you like are part of HarperCollins. Just like Netflix, they're not going to have new releases. You're not going to be able to have access to that, but you're going to have that back catalog of all these different books that have been previously yeah published 
you think it's going to take off as much as like Netflix? Like Netflix is, you know, I don't know. It seems to me better model for you know the subscription. Yeah. Well, you know, Scribe, they're, they're growing really fast. So it seems that a lot of people are adopting that. So it'll be interesting to see how that, you know, what happens in about a year's time. What's the prize this week, Andy? We got a fabulous prize. We're giving away the uh, Kobo, uh, the Kobo Aura, sorry. Um, it's a Kobo Arc, sorry. They have four different models they just came up with. This is a, a tablet and an e-reader all in one. It gives you access to about 15,000 apps, has 8 gigabytes of memory, and it's perfect for those people who are readers and they like to also consume material on a tablet. To enter, go to our website, www.getconnectedmedia.com, and hit on the contest tab to enter and win. You can also increase your chances by liking the contest on our Facebook page and retweeting it on Twitter. We've got lots left coming up in today's show. Shortly, we'll be talking avatars and how people make money with those online, little digital people. Yeah, uh, It's pretty interesting stuff. We'll also be uh, chatting later on in the hour about how to protect your kids uh, when they're on their smartphones. Uh, I don't think a lot of people realize that these smartphones are essentially computers, and kids have access to just everything. about everything out there. So uh, we've got some uh, good tips uh, on uh, that. And we'll also be uh, talking about the latest uh, in e-readers from Kobo as well. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. We'll be back shortly after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. Stick around. Later in the hour, we'll be talking uh, about how to protect your kids on their smartphones. We've got uh, a guest on from TELUS to talk all about that. And... uh, how to make money with avatars, digital people online. Right now, though, I want to talk about uh, e-books, uh, e-readers uh, online. We've got James Wu from Kobo. Thanks for joining us today, James. You're welcome. Nice to be here. So uh, Kobo, uh, probably one of the, uh, the more popular e-readers uh, out in the market. Uh, you guys uh, have got uh, a bunch of uh, new stuff coming up here in the fall. Uh, what's, what's new and exciting? Well, we've actually been really hard at work over the last year or so, uh, and we've come up with a whole new lineup of devices, and uh, on those devices are a bunch of really cool user experiences that uh, are really aimed at the most passionate readers, uh, our customers who are the most passionate readers out there. Let's just kind of look at the industry in general. Uh, you know, there is a, a shift happening now from the uh, the printed book to uh, uh, e-books. Uh, how much percentage uh, of people are now using e-books uh, in, in Canada? Um, I, I, generally speaking, I'm not. Uh, we don't talk about the, those kinds of numbers, and I wouldn't be the best person to talk to uh, about them anyway. We definitely see. We are definitely seeing a shift, and certainly our customer base is. Uh, I think pushing 16 million now, um, and increasingly we see we, we're seeing more and more people who tell us that they like to they are you know they thought they were passionate they were passionate uh, paper book readers and they would never make that shift and increasingly we're hearing more and more people saying you know what I've discovered e I'm way more comfortable with e than I ever thought I would be and um, and they're they're diving in. I think a lot of people are uh, kind of straddling that uh, printed book and, and e-book divide. I, you know, I look at my wife, for example. She uh, has finally, uh, you know, got her uh, her Kobo uh, e-reader, uh, and she she loves it. But she still likes having printed books as well. I think for people who love to read, there are always the kind. There are certain kinds of books that they will always want to hold in their hands, always want to have on their shelf, and keep as as almost collector's item or mementos. 
And then there's a lot of kinds of reading that is disposable or throwaway or, or sort of consumable. Um, and so people tell us this all the time. For those more consumable kinds of books, e-reading is great. You can bring hundreds of them with you on vacation. You can power through them. And usually once you've read one of those, you're not likely to read it again. And then for some of the more special books that people do like to keep on their shelves as mementos, a, a print book makes, it meets that need perfectly. James, in terms of uh, the e-readers, we've kind of seen a shift this year where tablets are trying to become e-readers and e-readers are coming tablets. But you guys kind of have a hybrid type of a device. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Well, with our approach, that, that's definitely true. Uh, these there, things are sort of, I think we're trying to find where the right balance is as an industry. For us, where we, where we think the sweet spot for our, for our target audience uh, is with focusing on the reader. And so that's an, easy, that's an easy discussion or an easy story to tell from the perspective of, of a traditional EPD or e-reader. Uh, e from the tablet side, it's, it's a little bit more interesting. We are the only tablet out there that is designed solely with the, with the dedicated reader or the passionate reader in mind. And so what that means is if you look at any of the, the line of tablets, and we released three this year, um, they sort of they blend this completely uh, Google-certified Android platform with a custom interface that is tailored entirely for the needs of, of the reader. Uh, so what that means, from the second they turn it on, they are presented with a dashboard that surfaces all of their reading content, provides quick and easy access to all the things they were reading most recently, their, the magazines that, that, ha that uh, have arrived in their account, you know, the recent issues of the magazines that have arrived in the account, any articles that they may be reading on the web. So it's an interface that is tailored specifically around the activities that readers prioritize, rather than a more generic experience uh, tailored for getting you into and out of the various apps or games that people tend to play on, um, on, on tablets. I think one of the, the most exciting... Done with our Oh, sorry. I'm sorry, I was just what? saying one of the most exciting things that I've saw with these e-readers is uh, the integration with Pocket. Could you uh, maybe explain that to our listeners, what Pocket is and how, and how you've uh, integrated that into the e-readers? Sure. So one of the things that, we've, uh, that we recognized from uh, talking with our, our customer base was that they're more and more they're reading not just, only, not just books in digital format, but short-form content like blogs and web articles and, and, and online short-form content. And what Pocket allows, uh, Pocket is a service that exists uh, independently of Kobo that allows people to take these pieces of content and put them, put them in their pocket, which allows them to be consumed offline at a later time. So as you're browsing the web, you find something that you're interested in, you don't have time to read it now, you put it in your pocket, and when you go home, you have this, this uh, cache of all of these interesting things that you want to read. So what we did was we reached out to Pocket, and we were the first company to integrate Pocket with an e-ink device. Um, and what that allows our readers to do is when they find that content on the web that they want to read later, they can put it in their pocket. When they get home, they pick up their e-ink device or their, their, their Kobo tablet, and that content is there ready for them to read in using all of our expertise in, in creating um, perfect on-device reading experiences. So it's this, this blend of, it's this recognition that there's a broader con selection of content that people are actually reading on devices, and partnering with the, you know, the best application out there for, 
sort of containing it, triaging it, and making it available to, to read uh, offline on their devices. The ex- you, know, you talked about the experience, and I've got to say, uh, you know, I've had a chance to play around with the, uh, the Kobo Arc, um, and it actually is quite easy. I know some people might be intimidated because it's kind of uh, an e- e-reader and, and tablet, but you, you make the interface very simple and intuitive. So that's really how this. That's really our emphasis here uh, in terms of how do we differentiate our products from from some of our competitors. It's about the experience we give to readers, so that they are they're more engaged. We get that technology out of their way, and they immerse themselves in in their content. Um, and if the experience isn't easy, if the if um, if the experience is, gets in the way of the content, then you sort of you spoil that reading experience for people. And, and so you've got kind of two models now. You've got the color ones, obviously, and you still have the e-ink readers. And I love that you've built in that, that glow feature now so that uh, if you're reading in bed at night, you can actually have the backlighting. Yeah, so we have two different types of devices because there's a, a, a broad range of content, and, diff- and each device sort of supports different kinds of content uh, better. So an e-ink device is great for consuming, you know, consuming words on paper or, or, or on screen. So if you're reading novels, if you're reading, um, if you're reading a traditional novel or, or nonfiction book, then an e-ink device is sort of the ultimate tool for doing it. But if you think about this sort of broader range of content that I've been talking about, more and more people are interested in reading kids' color books and interactive books and, and magazines um, or fixed layout books. These things, they really come to life on the, the, the bright, vibrant color screens that are part of, part of our tablet lineup. So um, that, that's why we have the two different kinds. And you asked about the front light. The front light really is just a recognition that people want to read everywhere. And whether that's in bed, whether that's in the subway where it's dark, having that front light just makes reading on your, on your Kobo that much more accessible. James, I want to thank you for joining us on the show today. Where can people find out more information about uh, your, uh, your readers? Well, uh, they can come to uh, www.kobo.com and find out everything they ever wanted to know about us and all of our products. James Wu from Kobo. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. We'll be back shortly after this. You're back with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo with Andy Barrar. Andy, the contest one more time. Giving a fabulous contest. We're giving away the Kobo Arc, not the Aura like I thought last time. This is an excellent e-reader for people that love to read. Gives you access to about 15,000 apps, 10 hours of battery life, and it is the ideal entertainment hub for book lovers everywhere. Go to our website, www.getconnectedmedia.com. Hit on the contest tab to enter and win. You can also increase your chances by liking the contest on our Facebook page and retweeting it on Twitter for your chance to win the Kobo Arc. No other tech sector has experienced the explosive growth as the video game industry. Gaming is a multi-billion dollar industry worldwide, and video games are now consistently outperforming the motion picture industry and box office films. Just check out some of these stats. 58% of Americans play video games, and there is an average of two gamers per household. The average age of gamers is 30 years old, Andy. (laughs) I can't believe that. Well, new gaming consoles are coming out in November, which is expected to create a whole new opportunity for accessory manufacturers, gaming studios, and developers. Today, we're talking to a local company, Disruptive Publishers, specialized in making avatars for the gaming industry. Joining us is Otis Perrick, the president of Disruptive Publishers. Thanks for joining us, Otis. Thanks for having me, guys. So tell the listeners what you guys do exactly. 
Well, the niche part of the market, you know, we are part of that uh, large gaming industry that you just alluded to, and what we do is we are the leaders in the personalization personalization aspect of uh, the avatars. So basically, anything you want to dress your avatar up like or have a background on one of your screens, we're the company that puts it all together for you. So, and just for the listeners out there, avatars are basically little digital representations uh, of yourself that you can customize. Yeah, it, it basically it's whatever you want to make yourself look like uh, and be able to showcase to your friends. And, uh, you know, if you look at all the video game consoles out there, uh, whether it be Sony, the Nintendo Wii, Wii U, and uh, the Xbox uh, 360, and, and the new ones coming out, uh, they basically all use these avatars uh, for their uh, user interface now. Yeah, it's a simple way to, you know, obviously, you know, stay connected on your machine with your friends, your friends list, uh, and use that as their representation. And, you know, being a generic uh, avatar, um, you know, that's where the opportunity was for us. Is, you know, not everyone wants to look the same when they walk outside in real life. Same goes for uh, your representation on the console. And so how do you guys actually make money? Basically, we work with either some of the leagues, some of the big movie box office, uh, video game companies, and we create their brands or their products uh, into digital media and we're the ones that work with Microsoft to get them into the system and it's what you see on Marketplace. So for example if you wanted to have like a, a Canucks jersey or a Cal- Calgary Flames jersey uh, you're the guys that help make that happen. Yeah we're the ones on the back end that uh, have the license with the NHL uh, we're the ones that create it, and uh, we're the ones that get it into Microsoft. Otis, how how does that whole licensing thing work? You know, because we're talking about some big leagues here uh, that you're trying to basically let people have a digital representation of themselves wearing those types of jerseys, whether it's uh, hockey or or football. Yeah, I came from uh, the background of marketing, sports, entertainment. Uh, worked at Electronic Arts EA Sports for almost ten years. Uh, and I was on the uh, the sports business itself with uh, the NHL, the NBA, uh, even some of the MLB stuff uh, early on in, in, in uh, the late 90s. And, um, you know, being able to see where media was going, I was able to keep my, uh, my contacts and present a new media outlet. Um, and that was basically taking those brands uh, and bringing them across to the both PlayStation and the Microsoft platforms, um, you know, in this new media. How, how do you work with the movie studios? So Warner Brothers is a great example. Um, you know, recently uh, the summer blockbuster with both Superman, um, you know, The Hobbit coming out uh, as well. We basically partner with them and their whole marketing machine, and it's just another tenant for them to reach a captive audience. Again, as you alluded to, that that gaming audience, average age user is 30 years old. We've grown up with machines, grown up with games, and, uh, you know, being able to partner with them and provide a uh, you know the costumes the out the, you know from a Superman um, cape and, and full outfit to you know wanting to dress up like uh, you know Gandalf. <laughs> and and how much do people pay for this? You know it can range anywhere from you know ninety nine cents to four ninety nine. Um, you know on the smaller end you're looking at maybe baseball caps and t shirts to you know, larger items and animations, um, you know, in a representation at the four ninety nine range. Can anyone uh, beat me up online and, and take my Canucks jersey from me? <laughs> <laughs> 
No, you'll have to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so in, there's some new consoles coming out, Xbox One and PS4, uh, the PlayStation 4 from Sony. Uh, how, how do you feel about that? Is that going to help your business? Yeah, I'm really excited. You know, uh, this this transition into the to the new consoles has been uh, one that we've been waiting for, especially from the digital standpoint. Um, you know, we've been dealing for it with a long time with packaged goods, discs, um, being able to be in the cloud and you know kind of work through uh, real time digital updates and uh, all those microtransactions. I'm excited for for both platforms. What's the future for you? For us, is to continue to give everybody out there an opportunity to, you know, personalize themselves with today's top brands, best leagues, uh, and today's movies. Very cool. And where can people find out more information about uh, your company? Uh, they can check it out uh, online, disruptivepublishers.com, um, you know, or, or hit our Facebook page up, uh, yeah, Disruptive Publishers. And uh, you can see what's upcoming, uh, see what brands we've got uh, lined up, and what... Uh, Movies and games uh, are going to be coming down the road that we're working with. That was Otis Perrick, president of Disruptive Publishers, uh, licensing the, the world to avatars, essentially. I can get my Canucks jersey now, Andy. <laughs> I know. It's pretty cool. Very cool. When we come back from the break, we'll uh, be talking with the folks over at TELUS on how to protect uh, your family online, or especially with smartphones. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs, here on the Chorus Radio Network. We'll be back right after this. You're back with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo with Andy Brar here in studio. We're broadcasting live across the country on the Chorus Radio Network. And also you can listen to us online at getconnectedmedia.com or cknw.com as well. I want to switch gears now and talk about protecting our families and kids when it comes to the Internet and smartphones. To help us uh, with that, we've got Andrea Getz from TELUS on the line. Thanks for joining us today, Andrea. Thanks, Mike. Happy to be here. I want to talk about uh, this uh, new program you guys uh, are launching called TELUS Wise, uh, Wise Internet and right. Smartphone Education. Uh, what's, uh, what's the Reader's Digest version of this? So TELUS is launching this unique program. It's available to all Canadians for free. Uh, we are offering seminars. Uh, and online resources that uh, will help keep all members of Canadian families safer online. Uh, so whether that's protecting children from cyberbullying and sexual exploitation, or perhaps keeping um, elderly parents safe from financial fraud or identity theft, um, we are putting our customers first and uh, demonstrating our unparalleled commitment to our communities um, to ensure that uh, we educate people on the dangers of online exploitation and give them some tools and tips to protect themselves and their families. When I came across this, I thought that was pretty cool because it's actually quite comprehensive because not only are you reaching uh, parents, uh, but you're also uh, going after the kids as well. And there's all sorts of different ways you're doing this. You know, you've got the online resources, but like you said, you've got seminars and, and people can even go into the TELUS learning centers as well in the stores. Yeah, absolutely. So we have booked um, proactively seminars um, across the country. Uh, we're welcoming others to contact us as well, whether that's um, your workplace, community centers, parenting groups, senior centers, moms groups, etc. Um, and we will host a free one-hour seminar. Um, so by all means, please reach out to us at WISE 
at telus.com and we can book that. Uh, we also have virtual uh, community. Um, if you go on to the web at wise.telus.com, uh, you will find a secure website that provides uh, users with uh, access to all kinds of resources, articles, uh, training, etc. And, and we'll, of course, be updating that with the latest um, as time progresses as well. Um, you can also go into um, any of our stores. So any of our learning centers, more than 225 of them across the country, uh, where you can get a personalized one-on-one um, session with uh, with one of our specialists. Um, so that that's the resources that we have for uh, for parents and for adults. Um, but we also have something for kids called Telus Footprint, and that is targeted specifically at youth ages eight to eighteen. And within that community, um, we're, we're also going out uh, to schools. Um, but we have online resources specifically targeted for that age group. We've got some fun stuff like comic books, um, contests, um, where kids can uh, further engage and, and have some fun while they're learning how to keep their digital footprint clean. Well, the interesting thing for me is that, uh, you know, obviously when it comes to online safety, you know, we think of laptops and computers, but increasingly so, uh, kids and teenagers have smartphones as well that give them access to the Internet. Yeah, it's so true. You know, we're seeing um, continued uh, engagement, um, a, a great deal of adoption, whether it's um, iPads, tablets, uh, phones, um, or, you know, online resources um, throughout, throughout the Internet. And we're really seeing that um, it's incumbent upon all of us to ensure that uh, we understand what the uh, what the dangers of um, having your profile out there online can be. Um, you know, there's been a lot of um, uh, activity around um, educating people on cyberbullying, um, our youth uh, in general, and so we're really taking a step as Telus to um, ensure that um, you know we do our part to educate our communities, educate our our parents um, on the dangers um, that some of that exposure can mean to their children um, and to their elderly parents as well. And I think, you know, for us as um, uh, great leaders within the community, um, it's really a demonstration. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and Andy here still in studio. Just a little bit of time left before the end of the hour. The uh, prize one more time, Andy. We're giving away the Kobo Arc. This is for all you book lovers who also want to get a tablet. It's a fantastic 7-inch retina touchscreen tablet e-reader hybrid that you can download up to 15,000 apps. has about 10 hours of reading time per charge. To enter, go to our website, www.getconnectedmedia.com. And on the, you'll hit the contest tab. You want to hit that to enter and win. You can also increase your chances by liking the contest on our Facebook page and retweeting it on Twitter. I don't know if you saw this, Andy, but uh, Samsung announced their new Galaxy Round. It's a smartphone. It's like a Galaxy Note, but with a curved screen. Yes, that's the... I think, you know, all these smartphone manufacturers, Mike, are trying to innovate each year. And uh, they're trying to get people to want to buy a new phone. Samsung now has this new curved screen. Is something they actually beat LG to the punch because LG is going to be doing the same thing as well. This technology has already been in televisions, and now they're going to be putting it onto smartphones. So 
it's going to be interesting to see if it's going to actually enhance our experience with our smartphones. It might fit in the pocket better, having a little bit of a curve. Well, in your back pocket. Exactly. So uh, I keep my phone in my front pocket because I don't want to sit on my phone. <laughs> I know. A lot of people keep it in the back, and it's kind of dangerous. I try to keep it in the front as well. I, I've seen a picture of it. I mean, I mean, it's cool that they can curve the screen, but do you care? Well, it depends. If it can actually enhance the, the experience, uh, then you might care. A cool feature about this phone is you could actually switch songs without turning it on. I'm not sure how that's going to work, but you don't even have to have the phone on. Well, apparently if it's lying it. down on a desk, you just hit like, one end. Just rock it one just end? Just rock it, yeah. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> well, think about it, Mike. You know, each year they have to try to innovate on these smartphones. The average person, I just saw the stat the other day, the average North American keeps their phone for about 20 months. Yep. And it stayed like this for, for the last uh, two or three years. And what the smartphone manufacturers are trying to do is decrease that so that people pretty much upgrade their phone every year because that's going to help their bottom line. But they have to innovate and by bringing flexible screens it's one way to see if uh it will actually resonate with consumers yeah i don't know if i'm going to rush out to get a curved screen phone right now i can see applications down the road where they can maybe uh curve screens around pillars and stuff for advertising and retail and stuff but uh at this point i don't know what kind of practical application for me it has what about a curved television screen would you be interested in something like that why it just gives you more, like imagine gaming and you have this screen and you're completely like encompassed around. That would be kind Got of really it. cool. Okay, yeah. Like racing games where you could kind of look at and you know really tries to replicate what it's like to be driving at high speeds. That would be pretty cool. Well, we'll uh, keep our eyes and ears open for this new phone uh, and give you our thoughts once we get our uh, hands on one, which will hopefully be soon. Pixar Canada in Vancouver closed. Very, very sad news. Yeah, they uh, came in in 2010, you know, big fanfare. Pixar, the big movie animation company coming into Vancouver, going to be here for the long term, and now they're out. Yes, uh, they, they did come in 2010. Their whole point was to make shorts. Uh, the Pixar shorts, uh, which was really popular, it gives them a way to experiment with different kind of storylines yeah. and develop uh, characters. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, I actually saw this on Twitter first before they announced it. But now we have about 80 to 100 people, talented, talented people was that many, eh? in Vancouver. I actually have been to their studio before, Mike, yeah. just in Gastown, not too far from where, where we work. Yeah. It was a beautiful, beautiful building and some of the most talented you know, animators you could think of. And now, suddenly, they're out of work. So Pixar is just walking away from Canada, going to go everything back into California, into their one studio. And, um, you know, they're just changing their operations. And it's really a sad thing to see, especially for Vancouver and uh, our animation industry. Well, you know, we have uh, so many talented people here in that uh, in that field. And the schools here are, are you know, world class as far as pumping out uh, these uh, these type of uh, folks. And these companies will open offices in Vancouver because they know that people want to work in Vancouver. So getting talented people to stay in Vancouver and work in Vancouver is not very hard. It's just if it doesn't make financial sense, then they have to revert and go back to their home base. Well, that's all the time we have left for today's show. I want to thank a few of the folks that helped put the program together. I've got uh, Andy Barrar, my co-host, and also the rest of the Get Connected team, Tasia, Graham, Tristan, Paul, and Al uh, as well. And, of course, uh, Dominic on the controls. This is Mike and Andy logging off for Get Connected. We'll see you again next week.